Welcome to another episode of Jesse Eye Interviews, coming to you once again from the lands of the Wurundjeri and Boon people of the Kulin Nation. Although these lands are now known to the world as the City of Melbourne in Australia, sovereignty was never ceded, so I want to acknowledge that this always has been and always will be Aboriginal land, and I want to pay respect where respect is due. My name is Jesse I, and this podcast was started in order to make available the many reggae and dancehall-related interviews that I've conducted over the last few decades, some of which have been previously aired on my radio show in an edited form, and some of which have never been heard anywhere before. This episode's a bit different, though, as I'm featuring an interview that I recorded just a few weeks ago. It's an interview with one of the biggest artists in Jamaica's Roots Revival movement, Protégé. I'm not a big fan of phone interviews generally, and I rarely do them these days, but this interview was actually done via a Zoom video chat, which was certainly a first for me, a lot more enjoyable than a normal phone interview. The sound quality isn't as great as I'd like, especially on my end, so I'm going to have to invest in a better mic if I do these sort of interviews again in the future. This was actually the second time I've interviewed Protégé, and although there's a bit of double up, I've decided to include my first interview with him here also. I first interviewed him in 2012, and he spoke more about his early days in that interview, so it's worth listening to both if you're a fan. I'm going to start with the newest first, though, so let's do it. Jesse I interviews Protégé, September 2020. So right now... Joining me on Babylon Burning is the artist Protégé. Thank you for joining me. Hey, thank you for having me, man. So it's been quite some time since I spoke to you last. It was 2012 at Don Corleone's studio in Cherry Gardens. A lot of time has passed since then. But for the people that didn't hear that interview, I'd like to go back to the very beginning and ask you where you were born and what life was like for you growing up. Um, I was born in... I was born in Saint Elizabeth, um, west side of Jamaica, very rural area. Life is full of open land and imagination, and lots of time alone. And what about um, the music? What, what what was your first experience getting into the music? Into the music, just being around it, sound system, style, um, seeing my mom and dad on stage. Just in Jamaica, you're always close to someone who is in music, you know. So what about your first steps in the business as a recording artist? Um, just started doing my own thing, doing my mixtapes and trying to get some traction. Then I got on a song with DJ Kareem in 2008 called Arguments on my first single. And then after that, then I started to work with Don Carleone and I did my first album. Hmm. So what can you tell us about those, those early recordings and the, the, the feeling of being in the studio and see, hearing your music out and about on the sound systems and on the radio? Um, it was cool. It was dope. I mean, to be honest, like those days were really fun just getting to do music and um, coming up with stuff and being in a big studio for the first time. Like when I went and recorded at Dan's studio and did Dread, it was the first time I had been in a studio of that stature. So just learning, starting to hear my songs on radio first was a, um, was a good vibe for me. Mm. Now, if I remember correctly, um, Don is your cousin. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I was wondering, he's been quiet. It's been some time since we've heard any new music from him. So what, what is he doing these days? 
Man, he let he, he from what he's in America a lot. He spends a lot of time in in United States. Um, he hasn't been doing much local music in a while. He he left from Jamaica about five six years ago and has been spending most of his time abroad. Okay, that makes sense because that's about that time since um, we had any la- new rhythms from him. Um, but of course, these days, like Indignation Collective is your label. Is that correct? Yes. So what can you tell us about Indignation, how that came about? I just needed, when I did my second album with Don Atier Affair, and um, I started to see uh, the importance of putting out music on my own label, owning my own masters and taking more control over my career and my music and just musically, creatively. Mm. And um, I just decided that I wanted to start a label, you know what I mean? My band was Protege and Indignation, so I just decided to start a label out of it. And the first song I released on that label was Who Knows, which is like a massive, massive song. So it really catapulted my label into... um, a point where I could start to build from. Mm. One thing I've noticed with Indignation Collective, um, a lot of the artists, you work with a lot of female artists on the label. Um, obviously, uh, Lila Ike, Savannah, Jazz Elise. Have you made a conscious decision to really promote female artists in the music? Um, on a level, but I still have to say it's organic. I mean, I just reached out to Savannah because she was the dopest vocalist I'd heard and I was like I need to meet her and once I met her and decided I I um you know, see the, the the thing is is that I've approached other artists as well like just to see what their vibe is and whatever but um Savannah was very um I, I could see she was listening to what I was saying and wanted my input and I guess I can sense when people want the input or or see the opportunity for what it is. And Savannah and Lee let us make the best use of the opportunity that was given to them. Hmm. Okay, well, the obviously the, the big project right now for the album, uh, for the label is your new album, In Search of Lost Time. And um, I've I got to say, this has been on high rotation for me ever since it dropped. I'm listening to it every single day, which... For me, that's actually quite a thing because, you know, I don't tend to listen to albums so much as I have been with this one. Um, but this, it, I've got to say, it's not a traditional reggae sound. There's a lot of different influences, a lot of hip-hop influence, um, soul influences on some tracks. How would you describe the album? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different songs. I mean, I've been, I've been moving away from traditional reggae ever since my first record has always have been Little Steps, like forward and to change the sound and I feel like now we've gone five albums in and about now feeling the creative freedom I can to just make the sound so I want them to sound it's not no deep thing about like it's all just making the music how it sounds in my head it's just that's just how the music is coming out that's the beats I'm liking going through, shifting through lots of music, seeing what resonates with me and what you're hearing on the project is the stuff that resonates with me, which is um, all of the genres that I love. Hmm. What about the name for the album? Where did that come from? It came from just feeling that while you're searching for one thing, something else is slipping away and I'm getting, spending more time at home this year, seeing 
what I say, my, my daughter getting older, my parents getting older, and missing weddings, birthdays, all these types of things. Just trying to catch up back for time that I've lost, you know? Mm. Um, one thing I noticed as well is on YouTube, there's visualizers for every song on YouTube. So obviously, normally when an album comes out, um, people can't make video clips for every single song, but YouTube has obviously become so important for the promotion of the music. You've done these visualizers for every song. What, what was the, um, the thinking behind that? Just to give people something else to look at, you know what I mean? Give them something else to look at instead of just the album cover. I feel like YouTube is for visuals, so I wanted something visual. Hmm. We're still working on more videos, straight videos for songs as well. But um, I just wanted to give them something to get a feeling from. And I feel that the visualizers did that. Mm. Yeah, I like it. Um, in the song, Like Royalty, you talk about your early days, sleeping on friends' couches. And I guess the message is to remember where you've come from and not forget those people that helped you along the way. Um, is that, would you say that's the right reading of that song? Definitely, definitely. Um Definitely, because I think that that song is just talking about when people are helping me out when I was going through some stuff. And when I was sleeping on people's couch, it wasn't it wasn't um, that far back. That was in the middle of who knows. That's when who knows was tearing up the world. Like I had used all the money I had, like all my money to put into ancient future. So I had no money and I was like, I have to go back to the country and my friend was like, no, bro, you need to stay up by my house and, and consolidate from there. So it wasn't even like when I was just coming up, it was like when I just had to, when I was trying to start my label, I had to just put all of my life savings that I've made from my first two projects and hope that it would work. Hmm. And obviously linking with um, popcorn, was a, an interesting flavor on the album compared to the normal combinations. How did that link come about? Popcorn reached out to me when I, when I, he, he wanted me to do his show on Rooley Fest. And when I went and did that, he was like, yo, the year can't, 2020 can't pass and we don't do something together. So from then I started to envision what I wanted the song to be. And then once I came up with like royalty, I was like, yo, this is the song for him for sure. And, he was feeling the idea from the moment he heard it. So it was just good for both of us. Mm. In life, in life, like royalty, royalty. Hey. If I ever make it in a life, I'm going to be living like royalty. So me, I be sitting around. If I ever have it in twice, no way. If I ever make it in a life, the um, other combination I love is the one with coffee. And I love the reference to the Hello Proto from Toast. And it gets turned around in this. Yeah, trust me, I like that too. Can I tell you, when I, I, when I heard it, I was like... Um, I just, I just, when I heard the rhyme, I was like, I'm going to have to say this, 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 because it's going to, I think people are going to make the connection and be like, yo, that's cool. The reference, she references. I love those connections musically between artists and mm. to go back and forth with the, you know, like a, a semi-automatic, you know what I mean? Like, like rifle. 
in peak form is just really fun. For you say hello proto, the world noto, them one moto, touchdown UK sell out show, do minister culture, we get some vote. A regular we have to transit to a port and a bit we outstanding to a force. Could you forget when we belong me to and gross? And if me ever drop a song, dig it reinforce. Yeah. One of my favorite lyrics on the album is in the song Self-Defense, where you say, um, me hear some man uh, say them rather rape than turn a gay, as if them their thing related in any way. Um, of course, Jamaica has become known around the world for homophobia. It seems like there's a lot of confusion and misunderstanding about homosexuality in Jamaica. I know this can be a touchy question for a lot of Jamaican artists, but what are your thoughts on homophobia in Jamaican music? I mean, put it this way. I think I speak for myself. I think I speak for um, my music speaks to all of that stuff. And if you listen to my music, then you can you can clearly see the way I feel and the way I speak about stuff. In this song, I'm definitely saying that, yo, I've heard, this is something I've heard men say before. And I'm saying you cannot equate somebody having the freedom of choice to do what they're doing and to forcefully take and rape a woman and i just felt that something like that needed to be said on record mm. and um i know that the line will be perceived certain way by people but so be it i just thought that it was something that needed to be said mm. yeah respect for that me your someone i said them rather rape than turn a gay as if them they think they're related in any way you know she said as some sick of them mentality the patriarchy propagate all of them policies Obviously, you've done a whole bunch of combinations with some of the big names in the reggae revival, the biggest names in reggae revival movement, Chronics, Kabaka, so forth. But last year, you featured on a combination with Ake Becker, the late Vaughan Benjamin. I was wondering how that link came about. Um, I went to Atlanta to do a show, and then I got invited to studio by pressure. I went to the studio by, with Tippy and Pressure inviting me. I went there. I did a song for Pressure's album. Uh, when I did the song for Pressure's album, Jadi, who is um, who plays Jana in Spain and um, also Zion I King, so he makes a lot of music for that crew. Mm. Um, he was like, yo, he's doing a Von Benjamin album and he wants me to feature. And it was that simple. I was like, I'll do anything involving Von, like, whatever he needs, whatever. And I just did my verse and I was a part of it. And I was very honored to be a part of um, a song with Vaughn. Yeah, well, that's a good one to have in the, the history books, obviously, with his passing, there's, you know, the Jamaican Virgin Islands connection, uh, like that can't happen again. Vaughn is a sage, like a, a spirit amongst men, you know, and a teacher, a, a mentor, guide, um, just one of the finest voices and to ever like be a part of music. Not no mention need about them ancestors When a community activist on world leader Can a wrong minded need a broad leader Him will have to be defeated if he's not dead center Focus him and understand him my center the beast I tremble with the message when me bring a fit Mention the kingdom in everything me sing When the truth start come out you see the pendulum a swing Line up all the brothers from Ruben to Benjamin
when we last spoke in 2012, I asked you about the place of Rastafari in Jamaican music. And of course, things have evolved since then, as they always do. Um, how do you feel Rastafari fits into Jamaican music now in 2020? It's still always the root, you see me? It's still always the root, like that I got always with the root of the music and the consciousness of um, the West. You understand? So the consciousness, is, it will always have a place. I feel that musically the sounds are changing and, you know, what people are singing about and changing, but the ideologies, a lot of ideologies and um, a lot of um, potency still remains in the music. And I think from that is, you know, present, then I think um, I'm very happy about it, you know, but at the same time, messages evolve views change and evolve as well and i think that as time goes along we have to be able to um to to learn how to communicate with the youth of um today as well of course um it's been in the news a lot lately with the the little girl being refused attendance at school for the dreadlocks how do you feel about rastafari in jamaican society it's still no more accepted than it has been in the past it's definitely more accepted, but there are just instances where these things kind of flare up. Um, I'll I refrain to speak on a case I don't know, like the full knowledge about, because I feel a lot of time when we um, we see and hear things, our first thing to do is go with an immediate reaction. A lot of times we find out the reasons why things happen. You'll be like, um, okay, I, I misinterpreted what it was, but certainly no child should be refused attendance to school um, because of having locks. That's absurd on a fundamental basis um, overall. Mm. Now, this is something I asked you last time, but I ask again for the people that um, didn't hear that interview. Um, a lot of people have um, mentioned to me, a lot of my listeners have said here in Australia, they find your delivery easier to understand than other Jamaican artists. Even though you, you chat Patois and speak in a Jamaican accent, for some reason they find it a bit easier to understand. Why do you think that is? I, don't, I have no idea. I just think my style is unique and um, I feel that I jump between the way I communicate a lot, you know, on different songs. If I sing a song like Same So, my 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 English will be different than if I sing a song like Switch It Up. It's like, it's just, for me, I've just find, found a way to communicate. And then to be fair, like clarity, the, 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 the mic I'm singing through, the way my vocals is being placed in the mix, I pay, pay a lot of attention to clarity um, for my listener to hear, hear me. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the biggest thing to happen in 2020 has been coronavirus, COVID-19. Um, how has that affected you? And what has life been like in Jamaica during the pandemic? I'd say it has affected me in terms of my touring, but touring, I've not been able to go out and play music. So that has been a bit of a drag, to be honest. But in terms of making music, I'd say it's been the most, by far the most productive time ever in my life. I built a studio right before the virus was started and I've been locked locked away in it for the past um, five months. So it's just been really productive. Mm -hmm. What about in Jamaica generally, you know, what's, how's the Jamaican experience been of, of the virus? 
Um, it, it was going good, and then it started to get out of control. But um, for the most part, you haven't really seen it like this. It's just been very, you know, the whole place is on lockdown, so that's been getting quite annoying for people. But it hasn't really got way out of control yet, so we're still watching it. Right. So you're still in lockdown now? No, no dancers keeping or anything like that? Still in lockdown, no. Mm-hmm. All right. So right. what what do we have to look forward to from you in the future? Man, I just dropped the album two weeks ago, so it's just, <laughs> just promoting the album, you know, shooting new visuals, um, getting the songs out there, you know, doing this work, like just trying to make sure that the music gets out there as um, as much as it can. And so far, so good. So we're just zoning in on that. Right. Well, to wrap things up, is there any um, last message or anything you'd like to pass on to the listeners in Australia? No, man, just thanks for the support. I've always wanted to come there and play music. So I'm just hoping that you know, in time I'll be able to do that. So for now, it's just, you know, keep listening to the music. Go check out Leela and Savannah's music as well. And um, thanks for the support. Yeah, all right. Respect, protege. Give thanks. Yeah, man, enough respect, man. Nice one. So I'm going to play this interview on the radio, of course, and I started a podcast just recently called Jesse I Interviews. So I'm putting all my old interviews on there. I'll uh, I'll put this on there as well. Um, I'll send you the link when it's up. That sounds good. All right, man. Well, you look after yourself. Keep making uh, good music and thank you for your time. Thank you so much, man. Be safe, man. All right. Enough respect. Know what they longing for Know what they longing for And I've got it, I've got it, we've got it That was Protégé speaking from his home in Jamaica last month, September 2020. I first interviewed him eight years ago when I met him at Don Corleone Studio in the uptown suburb of Cherry Gardens back in 2012. As usual, I'm going to play that interview as raw as possible. I'm leaving in a bit of banter before the interview officially started and again at the end as he recorded some jingles from my radio show. And I'm even going to leave in the question I said I'd remove at the time as it made me look a bit silly. Unlike edited interviews that I would play on the radio, I'm trying to present these interviews here on the podcast as raw as possible to give a behind-the-scenes feel where possible. But I have edited out some of Protégé's coughs and wheezes. He was a bit sick at the time of this recording. So here we go again. Jesse I interviews Protégé, July 2012. So how's, how's, the, how's the radio doing in, in Australia? Though? Well... I mean, it's it's hard work to be honest to, to actually promote reggae music in Australia because most people in Australia, well, I mean, they're either not interested or they just can't understand the patois, they can't relate to the music. Yeah. True. <laughs> um, especially dancehall, but at the same time, there's a lot of Africans there. Yes. And um, they love dancehall music. So the scene is small but strong. The the problem is growing it. It's sort of like. Yeah. And Plateau, getting the you younger know? people to mm. listen to it. Well, you as need well. personalities, and yeah. they, they have to. Um, how does it go? When you, I guess, spreading the music, people need to identify with specific artists more than just music. Mm. I think you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's on the artists to really inspire the, the the new generation, than for them to like say fall in love with stuff from twenty years ago. Mm. Yeah. Even though that is the most golden era stuff yep. but yeah. they want to turn on them 
YouTube and search for a new video by a new, uh, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. You ready? Anytime. Yeah. Alright, so... Alright, right now I'm at in Cherry Gardens in Kingston, Jamaica, in the studio of Don Corleone with the artist Protégé. Thank you for speaking to us here on Babylon Burning. Yeah, man, every time give thanks, you know? I always like to start my interviews with the foundation. I'd like to know where you were born, what life was like growing up. I was born in um, Manchester. I mean, hospital in Manchester, but really from, I'm from St. Elizabeth. Breadbasket of Jamaica, a lot of farming, grew up in the country. On a whole heap of land space, you could just run up and down and have time to think, you know, because it was so much, such a vast area. And um, yeah, that's where I really started and everything really started from. What about uh, musically? Um, How did you first uh, come to be involved with reggae music? Well, just music on a whole, not even reggae music. I mean, I started just, my mom's a reggae singer from the 70s, pretty successful, and um, I learned, you know, heard her music. And what was her name? Lorna Bennett. Okay, right. your mom? Yeah. Okay. And she, you know, I guess being around her in that era of musicians, I would have heard a lot of reggae. But my first, um, I would say, writing or distinct memory of music was hip-hop when I heard her. Uh, Slick Rick song called Children's Story and I, I want to flow like that and that's how I kind of started out and then eventually a lot of dancehall influence and then I came back to the root of reggae in my you know later teens and kind of wanted that to be the song that I you know I kind of perform my my lyrics on with that reggae song which is if you really check it the root of hip-hop also is in that early 80s channel one type of book back type of song really started there so it's mm. one and the same thing so what about in terms of recording who's the what was the first studio that you you voiced for was it don Colleon? no no it wasn't the first thing i officially put out was a song called arguments for producer dj kareem used to be in part of renaissance disco mm -hmm. and um he's a successful producer that done a lot of reggae and dancehall and um i basically he's my good friend and i really asked him for a favor quite quite plainly to give me that rhythm because he was going to give to Sizzler and I really asked him like yo I just need this it's going to change my you know career mm -hmm. or whatever and he gave me the rhythm up to that point I really hadn't recorded any reggae type of stuff it was more as I say fusion you know and then mm -hmm. when I got that reggae you know, I just wrote that song and, and then we recorded it down in St. Elizabeth and I gave him the track and he loved it and we put it out and that started everything. When when was that? This was 2008. I, I recorded it in 2006-2007 mm -hmm. but it came out 2009, two years after. Okay. What about the relationship with Don Colleon? Yeah, I mean, I know I've known Don my whole life. We're cousins, so I mean, we grew up next door to each other, so I mean, I've known him for a long time. We formed a song together, Vendetta, in 2000 mm. and um, we did that. But then we, we really didn't work together for for I went away for a year in Canada. When I came back, he was already blew up as a producer in that year and a half, and we didn't do any work together up until 2010. So that's like eight years after. So the whole time I was more trying to focus on my thing. He was, you know, doing his thing. But at the same point in time, there was no beef or anything, you know. But I was just trying to do my thing and. And um, eventually he came to one of my shows and saw me perform. 
sorry the song dread mm-hmm. and he heard it he was like yo did i record it for anybody i was like no and he said you know he wanted to record that song and we did that then he heard ja and he said he would like want to record that and we did that and then was like before you knew it, it was seven tracks and we were like yo let's just do an album together so that's how it kind of went i don't think that album hasn't released yet has it yeah oh, it has seven year itch oh yeah of course what am i yeah, yeah i have yeah. to delete that part i sound <laughs> like an idiot i have that album sorry yeah so yeah. the seven year itch was the first my first record and that was one i did with him right and that must have come out about a year and a half yeah appro- approximately yeah. january 25th 2011 mm-hmm. so about a year and a half ago right and yeah that was the work he did 12 out of 13 tracks on it and right yeah. so what was the point where you felt like you really bust in jamaica and and worldwide no, i still don't, feel, still that don't way. feel that way i mean it's just because maybe what i i use the word bust to mean maybe different than you i i don't know so mm-hmm. i don't w- walk around feeling like i've made it right i know i have i have a real good opportunity and um i'm performing on you know the big shows and my song is getting airplay but many artists have got to this point and f- and fizzled to nothing true so i mean when i'm 15 years in it and then i can look back and say that but mm. i do know that rasta love you know arguments ja dread these songs were doing very good in <laughs> in jamaica but when rasta love hit that was like a whole nother level and mm. that that would, would to kind of answer your question i know i was a household name almost at that time and then that song kind of got me to go on the road which when i went on the road i found out that i had songs in germany in these countries big just as big as rest of love mm-hmm. you know what i mean but yep. they were not necessarily as big in jamaica yeah well speaking of um internationally i mean one thing that i feel with your music is that the um the way you deliver uh your music vocally is more accessible than a lot of other Jamaican artists. Maybe there's less accent or less patois. I'm not quite sure exactly what it is. Yeah. But um, I've noticed a lot of people can understand what you're saying. People yeah. that can't necessarily penetrate the patois can understand yeah. what you're saying easier. Yeah, it's, it's not, I, I mean, I do DJ in my patois, which is clear of my, mm. my Jamaican accent is, is clear in my music, but it's just the way I guess sorry i'm having sickness mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just the way i speak i um you know I, mm-hmm. I this is the way i speak i i make sure to sing the way i speak right i don't want to be it is a proper representation of who i am mm-hmm. and i i grew in the country in saint elizabeth too, so i'll have a different drawl on my voice than say somebody from from you know inner city kingston you yeah. know what i mean so it's part of what you said it's even a different type of part of. Mm. and then i've lived in 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 florida i lived in canada you know what i mean i, I kind of i mean well i mean go to school i've been to school there for years you know mm-hmm. but i mean i just try to 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 be honest in in the way i sound and i think as i've said i've had, uh, had a lot of influences from all type of mu- music not just reggae so it comes out in the vocal and initially i got criticized for that when i just started you know people would say you know you need to you need to sound more more street or you need to have more of a, a part and i'm like yo is this is me i'm not gonna try sound like nobody and that's what i think yeah. makes the music original right what about the uh the place for rastafari in your music yes what about the place wait when did you first take on the rastafari is maybe a better um, question yeah i would say some point in time between when I started 2009, I came out with arguments. That's the last time I ever cut my hair before before that. 
and um i never i didn't start out you know thinking or or with with rastafari in my meds as such you understand mm -hmm. but as i kind of progress in music and just just what i started to read a lot more and going through these changes in my life not musically but just as a person and the people i would be around and elders i started to bear on and speak to and i really kind of found a peace in rastafari and it's gradual it's been a gradual journey i didn't get up one day and be like okay bam rastafari it was like a a learning process and as you can see the music has changed from mm. this girl is crying over me to like more you know different stuff take control of them they on this new album you'll even see more because a lot of the songs on the first album were written five six years ago mm -hmm. so i would say about about the time i wrote rasta love about before that time i started to really cite rastafari and and as you can see, it has been present in my music since. Mm. Yeah, looking back at uh, Jamaican music over the last 10 years, or even 15 <laughs> years, there was a lot more Rasta artists in the music back then. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Bobos, Sizzler, Capleton, Anthony B, yeah. Turbulence, and those kind of artists. These yeah. days, it seems like new Rasta artists are becoming more and more rare. Um, do you think that's because reggae rhythms, one-drop rhythms, are becoming more rare in Jamaica? or? Why I think it's a cycle and I mean right now I can say that you know the 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 Bobo Shanti, Sisla, Capitan, all of that, you know, Anthony B them, you know, were very present as you say, like right now the twelve tribes of Israel, um like myself, Kabaka Pyramid, Janai and a lot of a lot of people affiliated with the house is, is you know, are presently emerging artists. So it's all about time and cycle and um mm. I think that the time for that um, type of music and energy in the music is, is now and I can see fully well where in the next year, two years, you'll see a, a, another uprising of furious lands, you know, coming mm. forward. So um, tell us about what, what's coming for you in the immediate future. Well, right now working on the second album, The Eight Year Affair, hopefully to, to be out before the year is over. That's been the main goal. and. Um, to drop a second album that really solidifies my you know place in in current reggae music and that's the major thing right now we have a, a bunch of videos coming out over the next month or two to build up some some energy for that record and that's the main thing and getting on the road is with the band indignation that it's been the plan now so we're already planning our schedule schedule for next couple of months as we go into end the year and okay. the year and you just got back from summer jam and europe yeah, I just got back from Summer Jam, a couple of other shows there, and great experience. It was good to see so many people singing the music, and and um, you know, I'm I'm glad we people got to see some footage from it here locally and local television, and to let people know here that reggae music is 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 shining all across the world and needs some more attention out in yeah. Jamaica. And there's more than just cartel and Mavada. <laughs> yeah, there's more than than dancehall and that and. As I respect dancehall too, you know, mm -hmm. those are even two artists that I've learned a lot from musically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, you know, people think that because I do reggae, I neglect certain artists. But artists like those are brilliant artists in in what it is they do, and a lot to learn from them also. True, true. All right. Well, is there a message you'd like to pass on to the listeners back in Australia? Yeah, I'd just like to say, you know. Um, if you do like the music and listen to the music, you know, they share it. We need people to share the music. That's all. The music is gonna be spread, and people, out of the time, don't put enough importance on what they can do to help artists that they like, you know. Mm -hmm. And 
I share the music and um, you know Rastafari I love every time and yeah just keep looking out for, for more stuff from Protege and the reggae revival out of Jamaica alright respect give thanks for joining us here on Babylon Burning yeah man give thanks for spreading the music uh, yes nice one yes um can I get you to do a couple jingles for the radio program yes. Yeah, Babylon Burning with Jesse I on PBS FM. Ready uh, again? Yep. Yeah. Actually, and if you can do that one again, I I okay. screwed up the recording. My bad. No problem. Okay, anytime. Yeah, yeah. I mean, say who them a program? Babylon Burning the station of them iPad. Who them a program? Who in the pharmacy down on a spy pan? Hey, a Babylon burning, you know, with Jesse I and PBS FM and a protege I represent. We said play the music, you know, spread it, you dig? Wicked. Um, ready again? Yeah, yeah. And they don't want you to know marijuana. I'd soap and be free, just so let it be. They don't want you to know marijuana. I'd soap and be free, just so let it be. Babylon burning, you know. Jesse, I met them now, say reggae music. A protege, you know. PBS FM, you know. Lucky, you dig? Thank you. Give thanks for that. Yeah, man, I can just make sure some dubs too and some specials. That would be that would be fantastic. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, because I, yeah, I have a little sound as well as uh, <laughs> as well as radio. Um, Protege speaking to me from the studio of Don Corleone, Kingston, Jamaica, July 2012. I'm sad to say that I did email Protégé about some dub plate specials as he suggested at the end there, but he never wrote back to me about it. A damn shame, he charges quite a lot for dubs these days, definitely out of my price range. I do enjoy the contrast between these two interviews, one before he felt like he'd really made it and the other after he clearly has. I think it's also worth noting that the first interview from 2012 was just before the reggae revival movement really took off. On the same trip to Jamaica, I saw Chronix and Kabaka Pyramid perform together at a small club show, and at one point I was surprised to see that Sizzler Kalonji was quietly standing in the crowd right next to me. He was there with no entourage, just a female companion, and he'd obviously just come out to check out and support the young Rasta Utes. Within a year of that trip, Chronix was pretty much a household name in reggae, and Kabaka soon followed. That's it for another episode of Jesse I Interviews. If you've been enjoying the podcast or you have any other feedback, feel free to get in touch. You can email me at jesse at chantdown.com or link up on Instagram at morefireblaze or on Facebook at either Jesse Hype for my personal page or Jesse I for my DJ page. Don't forget you can also listen to any of my past radio shows from the last six months at pbsfm.org.au. Just search on there for Babylon Burning. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave me a positive review to help other reggae fans discover this podcast. Thanks for listening. Eyes is every time. Nothing but time, me and my queen again. 
with it. I'm back on the grind. I'm out of the streets again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ain't nothing but time. Just me and my way.